Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive real life in the 90s. <laughs> I'm joined by our carry correspondent, Jordan Ryan, because today we we're talking about 1999's The Rage Carry 2. It's all the rage, I hear. What's your favorite carry movie? Yeah, it's, it was certainly something. I don't think I've ever been more blah about a film <laughs> that we've watched. I usually have one of two extreme reactions but i'm so just neutral right now like it's a fine movie it's okay it's yeah. very 1999 oh boy is it <laughs> i like the music a lot that's that's probably the high point yeah um a couple cool kills a lot, yeah no a lot of cool kills um all concentrated towards the end just yep. as with carrie but uh otherwise just uh unnecessary sequel kind of cool to get a a late 90s horror film that isn't a total scream ripoff. Right. There's a few moments, but... Nice One direct to... reference. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to count two, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 Carrie 2. It's a movie I feel like most people don't even realize exists. I think and that's a lot fair. Of, I think a lot of people forget about it. I mean, I, even before we started, had to confirm, like, this is a direct sequel yep. to the Brian De Palma film, right? Like Direct sequel. Which, yeah, it just it doesn't get talked about ever because it's so forgettable. Yeah. I feel like the remakes people uh, tend to remember because they're lesser. Yep. But this one isn't lesser necessarily. I mean, it is lesser, but it's yep. not, bad, it's not so bad. So it just it skirts by on just being an existing film. Yeah. It's okay. That's all I have to say about it, you know. And sometimes okay is enough, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's, there's really not much more to say. Like, if if you liked Carrie one, it, you'd probably like this one a little bit. You'll find something to like at least. Do you want to watch Carrie that takes place in 1999? Then boy, do I have the movie for you. If you want to watch Carrie set in the 90s and replace Carrie with Sammy Gallagher from Shameless, this is the movie for you. <laughs> you know, there's a character who has uh, uh, cargo pants, camouflage, blue and black cargo pants, so that's a win. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the rage. We're, you're doing a great job selling the movie, Ryan. I, yeah. I think, suffice to say, despite the spoilers of this uh, podcast, you are not missing much no. if you decide to not watch the movie before listening to this yeah. podcast. The point of this podcast, we were trying to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies. Uh, so obviously we're going to be going through the plot of uh, Carrie 2, B by beat, decision by decision. So spoiler alert, but like, who cares? You, yeah. you know what's going to happen. It's a Carrie yeah. sequel. I, I even, I mentioned to Ryan before we started like, oh, so what's the, what's the prom scene in this one going to be? And Ryan had to be like, oh, there's no prom, but it's Carrie. There's, it's Carrie. there's, there's a mass massacre at some point. Yes. And just like with Carrie 1, this really isn't a horror movie until the end. Yeah. There's a few bits, a few uh, bits. throughout for some specific characters. And also just like Carrie 1, a lot of menacing going on yeah, a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of pieces of shit uh, rule almost, four don't be a menace yeah i'd almost argue worse worse menacing than the first movie yeah, i think um, so yeah these are some terrible terrible people and <sighs> a few of them deserve what they get a few of them deserve more than they got yeah you ready to jump into this Let, thing let's just go let's 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 hit the ground running spoiler alert for the rage carried two. so the movie begins with our, our resident uh this movie's margaret white character yeah. uh, her name is barbara lang and Barbara, just like Carrie, um, or just like uh, Carrie's mother, Margaret, in the, in the last movie, has a daughter named Rachel. And Barbara is convinced that Rachel's possessed by the devil because she's got telekinetic powers. Randall Flagg sure has a type, doesn't he? Yes. This, this, is all, this is all assuming that the rumors of Randall Flagg being Carrie's true father are yeah. accurate. Stephen King. Yes. I know you're listening. <laughs> Stephen King. confirmation. Big fan of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> his name in this movie is Ralph White. That's kind of the big twist we're going to run into is Rachel and Carrie are half-sisters, same father. And it's a genetic trait that was passed down by the father, Ralph, who may or may not be Randall Flagg. But yes, Barbara has a mental breakdown about this and is painting the entire house red, including paints her daughter's face at one point. Yeah, very biblical in that. Um, it, it, to me, it invoked um, when the uh, was it the Egyptians would paint their doors red yeah. uh, to keep to keep their sons from being. Uh, it was the slaughtered. Uh, Israelites. Israelites, thank you, and from the, the Egyptians. Yeah, from the Egyptians. Uh, the Egyptians got. You can tell which one of us went to uh, private Catholic school. Yes. Which one just grew up Catholic? paying half attention in church yes you know <laughs> yes yeah. it, it invoked that to me where uh 
where she was trying to keep uh, Rachel from being taken by the devil. You know, there's a, an episode of South Park where Butters' mom goes nuts and she starts painting the house. And at one point she paints over Butters' face. And I hope that was a reference to the rage carry too. It would have been around the same time. So it, I hope. I hope it was, because, yeah, because Rachel's trying to get Mom to come play with her, and in response, Mom just paints over Rachel's face. Mom, I want to go to Bennigan's. <laughs> Paint. <laughs> I uh, hope that's what it was. Trey Parker, Matt Stone, big fans of the podcast, yes, exactly. give us some confirmation. <laughs> it is confirmed they like Steam. There is, you know what? Oh, my God, I just realized something. Because later in that episode, Butters runs into the... Um, the 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 Fred Gwynn character from Pet Cemetery. Okay, so so it's gotta be a I, direct reference then. To the Rage character. Because there's other Stephen King multiple references. Stephen King yep. references. So yep. literally a character from Pet Cemetery. Oh is here. my god. Oh my god. But unlike in the first movie, Child Protective Services actually takes an interest in this shit. <laughs> yeah, I turned to Ryan uh, as um, Rachel's mom is being dragged out, pinned or like lo- locked down into yep. a stretcher uh, so that she doesn't thrash around and hurt anyone or herself. Turned to Ryan and just like Margaret needed this to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to see somebody's doing their jobs around these parts. Yes, we are. We are off to a better start. Yeah. So mom gets sent to uh, mental hospital Arkham Arkham, Arkham, Arkham Asylum. Asylum straight up. And uh, Rachel, 13 years later, she is living with a foster family who aren't really, really at all in this movie except to be shitty. Yeah, they uh, they exist to take advantage of the state-sponsored foster system, um, as evidenced by the point where Rachel's foster mother mentions that, like, oh, your your mom's doing well, uh, she'll, she might get released soon, and her foster father's like, well, where's that extra 300 a month coming from then? Yeah, real winners, so, these folks. Some people. And they live. That guy, that fucker lives. Foster dad lives. damn it. He shouldn't. He's terrible. But Rachel is now in high school. She's kind of like the outsider type. She's not, she's an outsider like Carrie White, like the 90s version. She's a goth, like a a goth punk girl. Angry girl. Honestly, uh, I I went to school in the uh, mid, or the late 2000s, early 2010s. But if I would have known someone like Rachel in high school, I, I would have tried to be friends with her. She just seems like a cool person. Yeah. We didn't really have this type at my high school because we were private school. Yeah, private Catholic school. Yeah. How, how'd that go? <laughs> Couldn't really dress like that. No. But yeah, it's the, the kind of the goth girl. And she's friends with a girl named Lisa. And I, I told you at the beginning of this movie, this is kind of gives me some American Pie vibes because I think it came out the same year. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, but like a darker version of American Pie. And it's got two cast members from American Pie. One who doesn't matter at all, but Eddie K. Thomas is in this movie. He he's Finch in American Pie. He's the one who sleeps with Stifler's mom. He's kind of the nerdy outsider guy who yeah. has no relevance to the plot at all. Yeah, his name's Arnie Arnold. or Artie, one of those two. Arnold. Arnold. Arnie. Oh, Arnie. Okay, yeah. No, he's he's fun comedic relief. We're not gonna mention him again. No. Uh, but he's he's a through line in the movie. Always gives gives a chuckle no matter what's going on. Uh, and the only reason I mention him is because he's probably the most famous actor to come out of this movie. Yeah, like, I've seen him in more stuff than pretty much anybody else on this cast. Yeah. And then this one, this is uh, Rachel's best friend. It's a girl named Lisa, who is played by Mina Suvari, I think is how you pronounce her name. But she is Heather, one of the love interest girls in American okay. Pie. She's th- the um, nice girl. I think I missed that. Like, the, the choir girl. Yeah. yeah. She was in American Beauty as well. Well, look at that. She's been in some stuff, too. Yeah. So she's she's been in some stuff. Oh, God. Oh, that's right. She is in the remake of Day and the Dead. Ew. Oh. Yeah, she's the lead in the remake of Day of the Dead. I forgot about Interesting. that. I've not seen the Day of the Dead remake. Oh. <laughs> Along with uh, Nick Cannon. Happy Father's Day to Nick Cannon. <laughs> oh, that's... Uh, God, I forgot to mention that at the beginning. Doesn't matter for when this airs, yep. but Ryan and I are recording this on Father's Day. Honestly, worst films to, to talk about on this day, given that... Uh, it's a paternal gene that causes this. Yep. Also, shout out to the podcast's dad, uh, Ryan's dad. <laughs> Happy Father's Day, Dad, Todd, Stacy. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, my dad was talking to me earlier, and he was like, you know what? Great Father's Day present. You and Jordan Ryan doing a podcast. <laughs> one day. One day, Todd and I will be a joint podcast Hell team. yeah. <laughs> so, Lisa is in a very good mood, because she lost her virginity over the weekend. So, she's very peppy, very happy about this, because uh, she really likes the guy. But she's not going to say who it is. It's a surprise. She's going to bring him to lunch and introduce him to Rachel. So, this guy. This guy is Eric. Douche bro. We get a whole army of douche bros in this movie. Yeah. Very, very 90s plot point here. Characters here. Like, yeah. So, uh, this guy, Eric, he's played by Zachary Ty Bryan, who's one of the kids on Home Improvement. 
Okay, I thought he looked a little familiar. I just I missed that because he's older, yeah. obviously. He's got a brief role in Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift as well. Oh, He's in okay. the opening, in uh, the opening race. Oh, is he, he's the, the jackass. Yep, who, who crashes uh, his car. Yeah, okay. Uh, so we got him, and he's part of this whole army of jock douches who are, are running this movie. Their leader is a guy named Mark, Alpha Douche Football Bro. Eric, second in command. There's two other ones who are kind of minor. Uh, we have Brad and Chuck. Chuck, the only noticeable thing about him is he likes to carry a video camera around and yep. dump stuff. Which is very funny, considering who plays him. Uh, Elijah Craig, who wrote and directed Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Oh, okay. Look at the, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and also a movie I really like called Little Evils, another one he did. Uh, so that is extremely funny to me, because he's just carrying a camera around a lot of the time. There we go. The fifth and final douche bro is a guy named Jesse. Jesse Ryan, actually, is his last name, so I don't know yeah, relation. I, I noticed. <laughs> uh, I wish, I, I hope there's no relation. So Jesse, you know, he seems kind of like a douche bro, but he's like the most reluctant one. Yeah, he's he's like the the most normal, but I mean, he's he still associates with these assholes. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, the douche bros... They, they have a game that yep. they play at school, and it's a disgusting game that's worse than anything in the first Carrie movie. Yep. They have a game where they sleep with girls, and they have a whole point system on how about it. Like, um, like I know if they're a virgin, I think they get more points. Yep. Uh, I think, you know, where they do it. Um, they had a thing where if they get a, convince a lesbian to sleep in them, they get, uh, what is it, uh, the, the conversion points? Yeah, yeah. It's... it's it- Horrible. Shitty and gross and horrible and based on a real thing that happened, I think, in 1993. Good lord. They're disgusting, horrible, horrible, rich Josh Duke bros. Yes. The worst. Uh, Think Brock Turner multiplied by five or six. Oh, rapist Brock Turner? Yeah, actual rapist Brock Turner. You can quote me on that, Brock Turner. Actual rapist Brock Turner. (laughs) Yeah, so these are our villains of the movie for the most part. I mean, Jesse, Jesse not so much, but the rest of the... Mark is the main antagonist. Yeah. This group, they suck so hard. Oh, nasty, nasty. And there's also two mean girls who are kind of like part of them as well. There's Tracy, main mean girl in chief, and her lackey, Monica. Because we need a Chris Harkinson and a what was PJ Souls's character? Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't remember her character's name. <laughs> Shitty teens, as far as the eye can see. And so it turns out Lisa was just a number for points for Eric in this yep. game. Yep, and it's horrible. Eric tells her like, "Nope, not interested in anything else with you. You were just a lay." So Lisa jumps off the roof of the school and dies. Yeah, it really kickstarts the movie. There just. Teen suicide! Yay! Oh my god. No, this is horrible. So it's so depressing. Rule four, everybody. Don't be a menace. Don't be shitty. Just don't be shitty. All the, the kids out there listening to this, don't do shit like this. We, it, we, mentioned, we mentioned during the Carrie podcast that if there was a encyclopedia of these rules, how um, the illustration next to don't be a menace would be just Chris Harkinson. Uh, the douche bros here would be the footnote underneath. Yep, yep. A second example. Just horrible. So that's this movie, is these horrible assholes being mean and then eventually getting a comeuppance. Same as Carrie. Good. <laughs> but yeah, so now uh, Rachel's best friend is dead. Yeah, she's a, she's a little distraught. Yeah, that's uh, fair. That's fair. But she gets comforted. By the guidance by counselor. A guidance counselor who we may, re- some of you may recognize. I hope you recognize her. It's Sue Snell. Back from the first movie, this is the girl who... Gave Rachel her spot to prom, or gave Carrie her spot to prom. They're the same character. It's okay. Yeah, the same <laughs> character. Sent her boyfriend to take Carrie to prom and skip prom to try and make up for bullying Carrie. So Sue Snell's back, played by Amy Irving. Once again, she's now the school guidance counselor. And she's here. She's kind of trying to make up for what happens. It tracks. Still. It yeah. tracks. She she had this horrific thing happen to her in her youth. It tracks that she would want to try and make sure that she can do anything to keep these kids from being shitty to each other yep just you know it, it makes sense within character totally mm-hmm. so eric he finds out lisa killed herself and now he's panicking because there's a big football game on friday <laughs> um and he is trying to get a football scholarship so there's gonna be scouts there and he wants especially he wants to go to this nice uh, prestigious catholic school they frown against teen sex and suicide at catholic school so i'm told and also statutory rape as we learn yeah because he's 18 and lisa is 16 so he's worried if all this gets out he will not get into a good school 
again, such a 90s plot point. We we got to get this ready before the big game, yeah. except the big except the the thing we're worrying about is actual rape and teen suicide. Yeah. Oh, nasty. That that's 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 what they're trying to do is say so Mark, his whole goal in this movie is to like just protect his bro. Can't let our bro get taken down by this girl who's dead now kind of attitude. Good god. Jesus Christ. This movie's Icky. Is this the worst movie as far as like characters that we've watched on the podcast? It's 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 up there. I would almost as I'm just thinking of our experience as a duo, not your entire podcast catalog, but for us, I would almost put these worse than the Sawyer family. Uh, yeah, because at least the Sawyer family ha- can blame some of this on inbreeding. Inbreeding and protecting their own property yeah. because those fucking kids wouldn't stop trespassing. <laughs> Nobody did. Nobody did anything to these fucking douchebag well, jocks. Yeah, they're just awful. They're just they're, awful. They're awful to be awful. Yep, and we have to spend half the movie with these characters, and it's uh, miserable. And yeah, no, this is worse than anything that happens in Carrie One. Granted, a lot of bad shit happens in Carrie One, yeah. but nothing even close to this level. And we honestly we didn't even reach the worst part yet. No, no, nope, no, we, we have not. I know we're making this movie sound just wonderful to sit through. And you know what? I will say, knowing what happens to these shithead characters in the end does make it bearable. Good. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I was, you know, I've seen this before. And I'm like, they're going to get their comeuppance and it's going to be brilliant. Yeah. Best part of the movie is when these characters get killed off. For sure. So, Mark is going to help his bro, Eric, because there is a photo that Lisa took of her and Eric that, you know, puts the two of them together. They're going to go to the photo booth and try and get the photo from the employee who turns out to be Rachel. Whoa. Wacky. She's not going to give them the photo. No, she refuses. And she goes and looks at it because she's suspicious. Oh, there's the photo of Eric and Lisa. Turns it over to the cops. As you should. Yeah. It's a good call. So do we put Rachel in a horror movie yet? Because her her fr- her best friend's killed herself and the douchebags that caused it are actively trying to interfere with her life. Yeah, I think we're at like a drama, maybe okay. on our way to a legal drama. Okay. That's what it feels like. I don't think we're at a horror movie yet. Okay. So, cops have the photo, and they find a suicide note in Lisa's locker, and the fact that Sue has heard about this game being played by the football jocks that is going around, because there's been like six or seven girls who have come forward this year, and they don't really say anything, but their friends are like, yeah, they got used and dumped by the football team. Which, as gets pointed out way too many times in this movie, oh, that's not illegal. Except for the statutory rape part, that's pretty fucking illegal. So, yeah, because this time Eric was 18, Lisa's 16, Sue convinces the sheriff to go after statutory rape charges. Good job, Sue. Yeah, because, you know, I'm trying to prevent this from happening to anybody else. Sue in... We're roughly what... 20, 30 minutes into the movie, yep. Sue is already a more proactive character than she was in Carrie yep. at all. <laughs> yep. So Jesse is having sex with his ex-girlfriend, the mean girl Tracy, in his car. All the football bros watch and laugh, and she doesn't care. She's fine with it. Yeah. She's, uh, yeah, she she knows their game. So Jesse gets some more points for the book. And this is our love interest. Yay. This is our second senior 13 with the love interest. This is what he's doing. Oof. You know, until the end, I, I mentioned that I was really glad that the ending gave me some closure on Jesse, because until the end, right up to it, I'm like, what's this guy's fucking deal? Because yeah. he's going to make some decisions that seem against his douche bros, but also some some things happen that make it seem like he's in on it with them. So, yeah, I, I, I spent a lot of time just not knowing how to feel about Jesse. Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> so... Rachel's dog gets out of the yard and is running up the road. Rachel's going to go after him. And the dog gets hit by a car. And it's horrible. Because we see a lot of it. Yeah, we see too much of it. It makes me unhappy. So she's going to go get her dog and then shout at a car to stop. But she's got telekinetic power, so it shatters the windshield of the car. Jesse's driving the car. Whoa! So he's going to stop and take her and her dog to the uh, the 24-hour vet. Yeah, you know, all all small towns in Maine have 24-hour Sure. Vets. And, you know, we do have a rule against picking up hitchhikers. Jesse knows her. Yep. They, yep. they know together. each other from school. Also injured dog. Yep. So Jesse's going to take her to the vet. And after that, they're going to go out to a diner to, like, decompress. Yeah. And they bond because they both have, like, the same taste in music, including their love for a band called Garbage, who I know because they sang the song for The World Is Not Enough, the James Bond song. Really? That came out the same year. 
Well, hot damn. Great song. Underrated song. People 19- don't talk about that one enough. 1999 was a great year for cinema, it yeah, sounds it, like. Yeah, it was. You know, The Rage Carry 2, American Pie, The World Is Not Enough. Wow. What a, what a year. The holy trinity of movies right now. I there. was six. Yeah. So yeah, they, they start bonding and getting along, and we have a love interest thing going yeah, on. Yeah, but it's a it's a little nefarious because we know Jesse's part of the game. Yep. So what is but it turns out Jesse is really interested in her. Yeah. This is kind of like I'm done with this game bullshit. I really like this girl. Yeah, and then and yeah, I, I'm glad we're kind of addressing that now. Right up until the end, the film does kind of you know we we see Jesse kind of standing up to his douche bros, but never anything that's like super directly telling them to fuck themselves or yeah. trying to stop them. So it leaves a lot of open-endedness as far as what Jesse's play is here. Jesse's play is that he's into Rachel and wants to genuinely spend time with her. Yep. And it seems like try to move on a little bit from this life, but we don't see enough of that on screen to make a firm assessment on that. Yeah. But just so that you listening at home know, we like Jesse. Yep. Jesse is a good guy, yep. just needs to be a little more proactive against the jackasses he associates with. Which I feel like is a very common thing that people go through in high school. You yeah. realize like, the kids you grew up with suck, and you need to move on from them. Yeah, absolutely. So, Sue has a meeting with Rachel, and Rachel psycho-telekinetically uh, moves a mug. And Sue's like, oh! Yeah, um, I, I looked at Ryan when this happened. You can disagree if you want, but I'm not going to budge on this. Sue, you're in a horror movie. Sue's in a horror movie. You you watched The Black Prom. Yep. You, and and Sue even openly says, like, I didn't see you move that. Yeah, you didn't like, touch it. Yeah, no. Sue, you are in a horror movie. And she you, knows it. You are in a sequel to the movie that was your childhood, yeah. and she does know it. Rule one, gotta know you're in a horror movie. Teleconnect teenagers, last time, they didn't do so well. So Sue knows she's in a horror movie. Telekinetic teenager! <laughs> now, this is where I would say, Sue, maybe quit your job and move far away. Yes. Rule 11, get out. Get out! But that is not Sue's goal. I don't think Sue can. Yeah. And I, I was thinking about this right at the end when things happen. Yep. Would that have been the smart play? Yes. Yep. I think she that she can't. She not can't live with herself. Not after Carrie. Nope. Not after Cambridge. She she has to stay and try to make things better. I understand why. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, if you are a guidance <laughs> counselor who runs into a telekinetic teenager with maybe some anger issues, run. <laughs> so Rachel confronts Eric and tells him she knows what happened. So Eric panics. Interestingly, we we get a scene where Eric's telling Mark about this, and they're at football practice watching film. And the coach is mad that they're talking during film. So he makes Mark stand up, tear down his pants, and they do a tampon check on him. Yeah, let's just randomly sexually assault our football players. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Something about the cycle of toxic masculinity here. I guess. What's really weird, though, is this coach is played by the son of President Gerald Ford. He's been in a few things, like some notable stuff. It's but. so fucking random that he ends up in this movie. <laughs> the son of a former president is just a douchebag football coach who's in like two scenes. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> okay, sure. Very, very strange. So the cops are going to question Eric. So he's in trouble. He, he has to go see the DA. He's facing statutory rape charges. He's in big trouble. So he tells Mark. And Mark's like, oh, well, we're going we're gonna to get that bitch, Rachel. We'll get, we'll, we'll get her for this. Yeah. So, that night, Mark, Eric, and then the other two douches, Chuck and Brad, or whoever they are. The cannon fodder, we can call them. The background douche bros. They're all going to show up at Rachel's house as she's getting ready for a date with Jesse. And they're going to start, like, terrorizing her. They're, like, they shut off the power. They're rattling the doors and windows. They throw a brick through the window at one point. Yeah, actual vandalism. Yeah. uh, Straight up. And Eric even puts on, like, um... What are those called? Um, the metal things. Brass knuckles. Brass knuckles. Uh, and he's like going to go in the house? Yep. Yeah, he's going to straight up beat Rachel until one of the other guys stops him. Yeah. Rachel, rule number one, you're in a horror movie. Finally. And Mark even calls in and does the ghost face. Kind of. So calls in, immediately asks, what's your favorite scary movie in a Donald Duck voice? Hilarious. It, it was funny. And then for the rest of the call, he's doing his best Roger L. Jackson impression, for those who don't know the iconic voice of Ghostface. Yes. So that's that's why I count it as two references, sure. because because the voice changes, I count the line reference as one and then the vocal impression sure. as another, even though it's the same phone call. 
Okay, fair enough. I thought you were going to say the, the third act bloodbath at the house party. Well, that too. That too. That too, but I feel like that's a little it's a little more loosey-goosey. There wasn't a huge bloodbath in Scream. It's mostly just a few teenagers dying, but the majority of the partygoers left to go see Henry Winkler's corpse being hung from <laughs> hey. a, from a football <laughs> post. <laughs> So Rachel's going to, you know, get off the call with him. Eric's going to try getting into the window, and she uses her telekinetic powers to slam the window on his hand. It's awesome. Yes. And then the foster parents come home, and the, the bros all run away. Rachel was in the middle of calling the cops, which is great, but then she's like, oh, no, they they left. It's fine. I mean, maybe still get him out here so you can file a police report, yeah, Rachel. And you can be like, hey, they because they, Mark was saying, like, hey, don't you be telling stories about my buddy Eric. Yeah. She's like, yes, one of Eric's friends called me, harassing me. I saw him climbing in through a window. Here's some more charges you can file against this asshole. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it would have done much, considering the scene we're going to see in a bit, but it doesn't hurt to have that on the books. So the next day, Jesse goes to talk to Rachel. She's pissed because she thinks he was involved in it. He's like, I have no idea you're talking about. I will go get some answers from Mark. In the meantime, let's go on a date. Jesse, time and place. Yeah. (laughs) But he is going to go confront Mark about everything. And they get into kind of a fight about it with the the football team breaks it up, so not much happens. Yeah. But. Again, not Jesse's not doing nearly as much as he could yeah. to protect his love interest, considering the fact that they are actively uh, harassing her. Right. Sue's going to try to talk to Rachel again, and she wants her to go to like a, a lab in Princeton mm-hmm. about where they study like these psychic events. And I wonder, like, does this have anything to do with like the labs they do in like Firestarter? It probably does, yeah. uh, given you know the the famous Stephen King connected universe. Yeah, it probably does. Yeah, I, I like to think they're all tied together, like The Shining and all this. Every yeah. all these people with like these weird powers. I like to think they're all tied together. Oh, absolutely, they got they gotta be. Yeah, Rachel doesn't want to go. Yeah, so she blows up a snow globe. Sue, you're you're in a horror movie. You, you, did, you haven't left the horror movie, Sue. <laughs> but Jesse and Rachel are going to go out to a date on the park. It's going to start to rain. They're going to get in the car together and kiss. Before they can go any further, Rachel's like, I'm a virgin, so I want it the first time to be special, so at least buy me some flowers. <laughs> and he's like, okay, what kind of flowers do you like? <laughs> you know, typical teenage boy reaction, but but also given the, the people he runs with, uh, shockingly respectful yeah. re- uh, reaction. So. Yeah, she's into it. Good job, Jesse. Yeah, it was fairly smooth, I thought. Yeah, it was smooth if you're 16 to 18 years old, I guess. Yeah. And, and few have that any smooth aesthetic. You are right. <laughs> so Sue is going to go to the mental hospital, Arkham Asylum. It is actually called Arkham. Yep. Now, I'm going to give credit where it's due. I am certain they're referencing Lovecraft here yes. and not uh, not Batman. But Batman makes the same fucking reference. Mm-hmm. So It's all tied together. Bill Finger and Bob Kane, <laughs> big, big fans of the podcast. <laughs> Confirm, please. But she's going to go visit Barbara. And she wants to talk to Barbara about who Rachel's father is. Yeah, it's it's Ralph White, Carrie, and her half sisters. Yep, it's everything she suspected. Yep, I feel Uh-oh. like she didn't even need to suspect at this point. Like, I mean, it's good to have the confirmation, I guess, but it feels like it's just a waste of time when it's like it doesn't matter how you're in this position. It matters that you are in this position, and I can help. So Sue is going to take Rachel to the torn down school from Carrie One. Why didn't they clean this up? I, I, I don't know the exact timeline, but enough time has gone past that Sue has gone to college, graduated, and I'm going to assume at least has her master's if she's a school guidance counselor. Granted, it is a small town in Maine. They might not have that strict of a of a criteria on who can be a guidance counselor sure. for these kids, but I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say she at least has her master's degree. Probably not a PhD. Probably but We never call her a doctor in the movie. No. But yeah, no, it's been a while, and the school is still just sitting there in rubble and ruins. And basically her plan is to try and convince Rachel, like, hey, if you don't go with me to this clinic, you could do this. And I don't think she approaches it the best way. No, classic Sue, good intentions, but poor execution. Rule number nine, be careful what you say and how you say it. This All this does is drive Rachel further away into the arms of disaster. You know what Sue reminds me of? She reminds me of Nancy in Nightmare 3 Dream Warriors. Yeah. But if Nancy was bad at her job, where it's the exact opposite in Dream Warriors, Nancy's fucking fantastic. Heather Langenkamp, big fan of the podcast. <laughs> um, Shoutouts all day. Yes. Uh, but no, it's it, it. that's a lot of what it reminds me of is this is if Nancy would have been bad at her job. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Sue's not the best. No, like, luck- she means well, but... Luckily, Sue only has one kid under her care, and not the how many that Nancy yeah, had. the seven Dream Warriors or whatever yeah. it was. So, DA's office. The DA's trying to press charges against Eric. Eric's father is there, who's a lawyer. And he's like, all right, you do this. We're going to expose the entire football team who's involved in this game. Okay, cool. Bring them all down. More rapists getting brought down. Cool. Awesome. Great. Cool. All of them are connected to very powerful families in town. So the senior DA is like, nope, we're not doing any of this. You're good to go. Bye. Uh, Dude, talk about the rage. Yeah, I'm feeling the fucking rage right now. This this is too real. How about rule number three? Do your damn fucking job. Yeah. No, this is this is too yeah. close to reality yeah. right now. Yeah, this conversation has happened. Yeah. Many times, many places, and it's horrible. Fuck all of you. Exactly. It just, it, ugh. Yeah. And they're like, you know, oh, we we can't we can't ruin this poor boy's reputation off without a shred of evidence. How about the suicide note or the picture of them together or the fucking journal that your dad admitted exists? A mm-hmm. uh, lot of admissions here that they're just going to hand wave away because the uh, the DA wants to win re-election. Exactly. Like the sheriff's like, this because re-election. He's like, that's exactly right. So we're done. Yeah. Just fuck all of you. <sighs> oh man, this scene is rage inducing. And then fucking the the Eric stands up and gives like a mocking salute to the sheriff, and it's like, oh, you turn to me, he's like, oh, I can't wait for that guy to die. Yeah, I was, th- I'm thrilled that I get to watch him die. Yes. So Mark wants to get revenge on Rachel at this point. So he comes up with a plan. He's got all of his football bros and the mean girls in on this this big elaborate humiliation of Rachel. Inarguably worse than pig's blood. Yeah. Uh, this is. Ho- beyond horrific what this, is gonna uh, happen. let's call it what it is revenge porn revenge porn yeah that's what this is before that was really a term even yeah it, it was a thing that happened but we just didn't put a name to it yep uh, now we have a name for it yeah so yeah no it's we, we'll get into some we'll talk about a little bit more about this but yeah it's it's so much worse than anything yep. chris harkinson ever did yep <laughs> so he's gonna patch things up with jesse and be like hey i'm sorry i was a douche so here are the keys to my parents summer house why don't you go ahead and take Rachel there for like a nice romantic evening, but you got to bring her to my par- big party I'm having this weekend. I'm going to apologize to her in person. That's the deal. He's like, okay. Jesse, don't do it. Jesse, you poor dumb son of a bitch. <sighs> it's a trap. So Rachel's got this big date coming up. So she's going to go to the, the makeup store, perfume store, whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, Monica, one of the mean girls, is going to run into her there and like pretend to be her friend and help her out. And they, they steal some makeup together. Oh, no. The tragedy. So much menacing. But Jesse is going to pick up Rachel, and they're going to go off to the summer house. He even brings flowers, her favorite kind. Aw. It, it, fo- it came through. It followed through. So they end up going to the summer house, and they do have sex. Yes. That's being recorded. And until until the very, very end of the movie, it's unknown whether Jesse knows it's being recorded yep. or not. You know, they, they kind of tee it up where it, you can see things in place where he doesn't know but you also just don't know for 100% for sure yeah. until later. But yeah, so they had that Chuck filming this stuff. Yeah. We don't, you know, this is it's kind of like in the background and you don't yeah. really see you're not really sure what's happening, but that's what is what is happening. So Rachel gets caught sneaking back into her house the next morning. Foster dad catches her and just full on slaps her. Jesus. Don't hit your kids. Yeah. Just straight up, just don't do that. Shitty thing to do. Don't be a menace. And grounds her, but she's going to sneak it out anyway to go to the football game. The big football game. Yeah, the big game. Where all the town scouts are at. So what's super annoying is all the football players decide to shave their heads together. Yeah. And now I can't tell any of them apart. Okay, I'm glad you had the same the same problem. Because you, you, you made sure that I knew that one particularly satisfying death was coming up. And I couldn't fucking tell because everyone looks the goddamn same. Yep. Uh, yeah. The only one who doesn't shave his head is Jesse. Because he's going to stop going with the crowd. Ex- that's exactly. That's Symbolism. Sue's got a whole plan. She wants to get Carrie to meet her father. Or not Carrie. Rachel to meet her father. Same character. <laughs> so she's going to go to Barbara to try and figure out where the heck is Ralph. Yeah. Um, and Barbara, you know, tells her the plan. Like, hey, this is all just genetics. And Barbara's going to be like, you know what? I'll come out. I'll meet her. And I can tell her. Make that's her get what her it is. Into like a therapy thing together. Except Barbara's nuts. She's yeah. talking to people who aren't there. They they do sneak out of the, the asylum successfully, but yeah. 
Was that the right call? Maybe bring Rachel to Barbara somehow. This was when I realized that Sue is just Nancy, but bad at her job. Yeah, <laughs> breaking people out of uh, inmates out of the asylum, not great. That's a whole other horror movie. Uh, <laughs> we just talked about this uh, Fear of Clowns 2 podcast we did like two weeks ago. That's how that movie starts. We have an orderly breaking the, the killer clowns out of prison, the, the asylum. You know what other uh, horror movie starts with inmates being broken out of the asylum? Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. The granddaddy. Like, yeah. this is directly out of the playbook. That's that's a whole other horror movie there, Sue. Possibly Sue's worst worst decision. Yeah. Uh, ultimately isn't going to affect too no. much, but it's the moment where I stopped considering Sue for Randy Meek's merit badge. Yeah. This is just such an egregiously horrible play. Yeah. It is really funny. Eric's going to end up getting ejected from the game anyway, so he does get to play, but he just gets <laughs> kicked right the fuck out of the game. Blatant personal foul. But Jesse has a great game, and afterwards, the scouts want to talk to him, so he's got to stay behind. So he asks his friend Brad, hey, will you tell Rachel to wait for me? I'm just going to talk to these scouts for a few minutes. Brad instead goes out there, because it's all part of the plan. He's like, hey, Jesse told me to tell you to meet him at the big party, so uh, Monica's going to give you a ride over there. So we have all the football douches, all the mean girls, and uh, Rachel all going to the party. What could go wrong? A lot could go wrong. Jesse's going to come outside, and he's going to find his car vandalized, apparently by the rival football team. Tires puncture and everything. And this is so Tracy, his ex, can give him a ride. And she's the one who did the vandalize the car. And she's going to take him back to her house to try and seduce him. It's not going to work. It doesn't work. Jesse, upstanding young man. Yes. He's like, we're going to be late for the party. (laughs) Hey, my girlfriend's at the party. Like, can we hurry? Can you get dressed, please? (laughs) Can you put your clothes back on? So, third act, main cast, bloodbath at a house party. <sighs> We're going to get to the party. Rachel, she, you know, Mark is there, the Brad is there, uh, Chuck is there. They're all going to apologize to her and say, hey, let's just, let's all be friends. For Jesse's sake, let's all be friends. Yeah. Rachel's willing to let it all go. Uh, that one douche, Eric, isn't there. So we can, we can all move on. Well, interestingly enough, it's almost like Carrie's worst fears are happening to Rachel right now. Because yep. Carrie's biggest fear going to prom was that everyone was just going to pretend to be nice to her where at least in the Brian De Palma film, I can't speak for the remakes since we haven't gotten to those yet, but at least in the Brian De Palma film, it seemed like everyone, Tommy for sure was like, no, I genuinely want you here. And everyone else, her and Tommy interacted with seemed to agree. Yeah. Whereas this it's, it's exactly what Carrie feared now happening to Rachel. Yeah. She's no friends here. Exactly. No friends. Everyone's playing nice, but there is a giant conspiracy that's actually going to make the ensuing bloodbath almost a little more satisfying to watch. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. Carrie won. Still very satisfying bloodbath, but feels like less innocent people got caught in the crossfire here. Yeah, very few. So Mark is going to reveal the sex game journal and yep. the points. Lisa was just points for Eric. Eric is actually at the party. He was hiding upstairs waiting for the big reveal. And then to make things even worse... They play the tape, the sex tape of Jesse and uh, Rachel, and they they play and tell her that Rachel or uh, Jesse was all in on this. He got, yep. he won the game. That's, you were the winning points. Oh, fucking blood boiling! Yeah, this blood is boiling. Yeah, th- this is actually the crime. Yeah, no, this is actual committed offenses. Rule four: Don't be a menace. I'm not a legal expert, so I don't know if this is like felony level or whatever, yeah, but know. it's. It's an actual crime. People go to jail for this shit. Yep. So, here we go. Bloodbath time. I got it all broken down into some nice bullet points. Woo! (laughs) Because there's a lot going on here. Yes. So, Rachel locks the door, slams them all shut. Boom, everyone's trapped inside. She's got this tattoo of a heart she and her best friend Lisa had, and it comes to life and, like, covers her body. Yeah, a bunch of vines and shit. It looks dope. Yeah. The house starts shaking. The glass windows break and shatter. Uh, kill a few people, including Chuck. His head gets cut off. Good. Yep. Good. Rule number one, everyone. Something weird is going on. Everyone in this house is in a horror movie. Yep. Rule 11, get out. And we do see a few, like, the background actors yeah. managed to make it out. They climb a fence. Yeah. Just as Sue and Barbara arrive. Uh... So Brad gets to the front door. At the same time, Sue gets to the front door. Carrie launches a fire poker through the air and impales Brad through the head, goes to the front door and impales Sue through the head, killing both of them. I'm genuinely sad that Sue dies in this movie. Yep. Rives walks into the third act, instantly dies. For all of her faults, she she's, didn't do anything that deserve deserving of her death. No. Uh, so this is a, an especially sad one. Yeah. I think her biggest problem 
is that she's really bad at being proactive when she's trying to help people. That was her main problem in Carrie 1. She lucked out in yep. surviving the Black Prom, and she, she had no luck this time. Be careful what you say and how you say it. I think it all boils that's, down to That's that. the big one. That's the big one. A little bit of Don't Be a Menace. This all did start because she, all those years ago, she oh joined in on, on harassing Carrie White, yep. which led to her... Her feeling guilty, her witnessing the Black Prom. I feel like Black Prom probably would have happened with her without Sue. Yeah. Uh, just because. Well, no. She wouldn't have been at prom. Well, yeah, no, she wouldn't have been at prom because Sue would have never felt bad. So she wouldn't. Tommy would have never. Sue, you're responsible for both of these movies. You fucking. Wow. Okay. Wow. I just talked myself into a new plebe uh, <laughs> nomination. It, it all starts with Don't Be a Menace. But once she's in the weeds, she really just needed to be more careful about what she said and how she said it. One of the other mean girls who I don't think actually has a name gets <laughs> taken out by a bunch of CDs. I love when horror movie characters don't have names. Like, we're not even going to fucking pretend. Yeah, you're not important. <laughs> Here's a bunch of CDs to the face. Dead. So Mark figures out. Rachel's behind it all. So he, Eric, and Monica, they're all going to go arm themselves. Rule 5, lock and load to fight Rachel and, and maybe escape. And now the house has started on fire because of all the booze around. <laughs> what is it with these telekinetic girls and setting shit on fire? <laughs> so they get to uh, his dad's office and they, he has spear guns and a flare yeah, gun. kind of fucking weird. Kind of weird. I'm, I'm glad they do this instead of just normal guns. This is more fun. Yeah, no, it was it was good. Don't get me wrong. It just is like, okay. Sure. I guess Maine. Yeah. Maine. Big, big big fishing state. So they have spear guns and Mark also has a flare gun. And uh, they got to get out of the house. So fucking Mark and Eric just yeet themselves through some glass windows. <laughs> Dude, that's pretty cool. That was a great stunt. It was, it was a good one. It was a good one. So they and Monica, they 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 make their last stand next to the pool. They're going to they're gonna shoot Rachel with these spear guns and, and kill her. Except Rachel is going to blow up Monica's glasses right in her eyes. Yeah. Uh, Was it just her glasses? Because it almost looked to me like her full-on eyeballs popped. Maybe. Honestly, and I've, I've, I've kind of been like casually looking for a point to bring this up, Rachel is more powerful than Carrie was. And that might just be a a uh, side effect of having better technology to make this film with than yeah. they had in the 70s. But going strictly by these two movies, Rachel is a much stronger telepath than Carrie. Hers feels a little more focused yeah. and angry, which yeah. is the rage. So... In a blind, literal panic, Monica fires the spear gun straight into Eric's dick. So satisfying. Oh, it's great. Uh, it's everything I wanted it to be and more. I told Ryan that I was hoping that uh, Rachel would impale something uh, through his ass so that it went through up through the mouth, uh, a la Cannibal Holocaust. Spears and- through the dick? Pretty good. Yeah, no, I'll t- that's a strong secondary <laughs> option. <laughs> so uh, two birds, one stone. Yes. And then she's going to knock the spear gun out of Mark's hands telepathically. You know, there is a rule. Hold on to your weapons. Uh, rule 7, don't leave them behind. Firmly grasp it. A little tricky to do here. Telepath. Bullshit. Yep. Also, I don't want him to follow these rules. I want him to die. Right. <laughs> but he is going to shoot Rachel with a flare gun. Yeah. Pretty cool scene. Yep. Honestly. Cool effect. Uh, cool stunt. And knock her into the pool. And he's going to grab his spear gun back. He's going to go in for the double tap. But she grabs him and pulls him into the pool with her. Rule four to keep your distance. Felt reminiscent of Carrie grabbing Sue in Sue's dream at the end of the mm. first movie. But this time, real. Yeah. And happens to someone who deserves to die. Yeah. So the pool cover starts closing. Mark hits his head on it. Yeah. And I, ends up not being able to get out and drop. Yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely sure if someone hit that or if Rachel did that. It's not yeah. made clear. I'm um, guessing Rachel. But yeah, he, he gets his head hit when it's closing. Falls in, drowns, Rachel uses the spear gun to cut herself out, and then Mark is trapped under ice, essentially, trying to push the tarp up, can't do it, drowns, good fucking riddance. Now, he should have been looking out for what uh, Rachel was doing, maybe see the cut, or go for the edge of the pool, yeah, rule I'm- 10, don't panic. Yeah, I feel like it's hard to panic, hard not to panic when you're literally drowning. Yeah, understandable. Fuck this guy. Again, we, we do not want him following yep, these rules. We don't want it to, but, you know... This is our job. I want him to die. We are rooting for these characters to die. Here's what Mark should have done. Let's go all the way back to the beginning. Don't be a menace. Yes, much like Sue Snell, uh, fucking 20, 30 years ago, shouldn't have been a menace. But drop Mark in where he is once the the house starts shaking. He does pretty good all the way up until the pool. I don't like hearing that, Ryan. I don't like that you said that. (laughs) It's what it is. (laughs) 
getting the spear gun and the flare gun pretty smart yeah i guess and you know he he pulled a real sally and threw himself right through the window yep yep yeah you you are correct so barbara's gonna come in and, and help the wounded rachel except she remembers oh wait i think you're possessed by the devil and i'm gonna <laughs> run away bye <laughs> Not the worst idea, but much like Margaret, I hesitate to give past judgment in either direction yeah. on this character. Yeah. So she's just going to book it out of here and be out of the movie, I guess. Yeah. Hey, Jesse's finally at the party. <laughs> so Jesse and Tracy arrive at the party, and, and we just cut to them being in the house, yeah, which is no, on they just, fire. Yeah, they just... Sh- the, yeah, that's that's the crazy part. They just walk into this on, fi- on fire house. Don't go into burning buildings. No. We were taught this at a very young age. Rule 32, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Tracy's going to die in this house, and Jesse's going to walk out of here with bad burns on his arm. Yeah. Rachel sees them both. She collapses part of the roof onto Tracy. Instantly. Yeah, just straight up. Just no quarter. And uh, I, I do want to say, besides like being a horrible person, the worst move in this movie, I think, is Tracy and Jesse going into this house. Yeah, probably. Stupid. Don't go into burning buildings. But yeah, Tracy instantly dead. Jesse's going to go upstairs and trying to help like Rachel get out. And she's like, no, you were involved in all this horrible stuff. Fuck you. Right at that time, that sex tape is still playing. And it turns out after Rachel fell asleep, Jesse told her he loved her. Yeah, and he he tells her in person uh, before right before this, but Rachel's like, "No, you're fucking lying." But then the tape happens. I'm pretty sure Rachel rewound it like 15 times uh, with it. her telekinesis. And turn the volume up. <laughs> yep, enhance. Enhance. Uh, yeah, it zooms in a bunch. And yeah, so that that's enough to convince Rachel that uh, Jesse told the truth. Yeah, which it's the part where we're supposed to believe him as the audience as well. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we were supposed to take him at face value the whole time, and I'm just a cynical asshole. Could be that. <laughs> That's very possible. <laughs> so part of the roof collapses, and it's going to land on Jesse. Rachel yeets him out of the way, and it lands on her. He's going to try and save her, even getting severe burns on his hands, but she just telekinetically yeets him into the pool to get him out. Yep. And Rachel dies. Yeah, uh, much like her sister. She dies via her own uh, rage and power. Yeah, bummer. So, I, I don't got anything for Rachel. Yeah, no, she... Uh, she, she wasn't in much, much for horror movie sequences. Nope. nope. Unlike Carrie. Yeah. Rachel really wasn't in a horror movie herself. Right. Where Carrie was with a John Travolta trying to run her over with the car. Yep. Her mother trying her to mother. stab her. Where Rachel really wasn't. And also Carrie had much, I guess we don't know enough about Rachel's backstory to say this for certain. I feel like Carrie had a much longer history of being abused than yeah. Rachel did. I mean, her, her foster parents aren't good, but we only see them verb- physically abuse her once. Once, just the once. Uh, where I just feel like, the once. I feel like it's, it's, it's pretty well accepted that Margaret was regularly hitting and locking Carrie into yeah. the chokey closet. But Jesse is going to survive this. We cut to one year later. He has adopted Rachel's dog. Yeah. He's at college. And we get a tease for a quick second that Rachel's still alive because we ha- he has a dream of her and kisses her, but no. Jump scare. She turns into a banshee and shatters into a million pieces. So she is dead. Jesse leaving Jesse alone. And the movie ends. And the movie ends. That, that's, it, it just ends. Kind of unsatisfying, yeah, to be honest. Bit. But yeah, that is the end of the Rage Carry 2 and the end of the original Carry timeline. We're done. Yeah. So no no new rules. No, no, no rules. The no horror movie rules. lasted five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's make, it makes it tough to talk about these Carry movies, yeah. honestly. It really does. It is interesting, though, just to get such a limited stretch. Yeah. Awards. Yeah. Randy Meek's Mayor Badge goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules. Based on Randy Meeks from Scream. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. <sighs> Carrie 2. This is tough. Because I, I think I have my... my I have a, a, a nomination that I don't really like that okay. much with Mark. Okay. Because, no, no. Because he sucks so hard. I know that I fought so hard for the blind man and don't breathe, but I'm saying no. Because <laughs> I, I, I think once the horror movie The House started... What do you do? Like, if you're any of these people, uh, you try and get out. If psychokinetic teenagers come after you, you arm yourself and try to fight back. All of which Mark did. Then he did, you know, not keep his distance, gets pulled in the pool, panics, and drowns. Which is why I'm like, okay, maybe not Mark. But I think he's better. Of, like, the main cast, Mark probably follows the rules the best besides it'll be a menace. But let's, we can talk about other options. I, I don't have give another option Please, for you. Please, for the love of God. Hey, audience, listener, you remember Arnie? You- Arnie was never in the house. So here's the thing. Arnie, we didn't talk about it, and we openly said we weren't going to talk about him. 
Arnie was at the kind of threshold of the house for this party. They had like, I think they had people acting as bouncers, making sure only approved cool people. Yeah, the cool kids got into the party. Arnie and his friends wanted to be in the party. Rachel did say she was going to try and get them in. That never happens. But when the house is burning down, we cut aside and see Arnie lounging, drinking, and just minding his own fucking business while he watches this house burn. I am going to make the argument that Arnie had very clear evidence that a horror movie was happening, and he pulled a Neighbors from Halloween in the sense that he minded his own fucking business. He didn't get out of the way. He didn't go for help or anything. He just did not interfere at all, which means he gets out of this movie alive. I think the best of both worlds is just the background extras who we do see escaping the house. Yeah. That way we don't have to give it to that fucker Mark, <laughs> and I don't think we can give it to Arnie. So I, how about I think the... That's, I think that's a fair compromise because the the few, the background extras who who got out, they were actively in the horror yep. movie, and they, they got out. Yep. And, you know, it seems like most of them knew what this party was, but we don't mm-hmm. have confirmed evidence. All of them did. So some of them were certainly menaces. Some of them may not have been. Yep. But they're like, oh, house is burning down. Bye. Yep. And I think that's where we got to go. Following major safety protocols and not trying to gather their belongings or help anyone else, just getting themselves to safety. Rule 11, get out. There we go. All right. So the background extras of uh, <sighs> the house party. Woo! <laughs> Real winners. Night of the Living Club goes to the character who did the worst job at following the rules course based off Barbara from Night of the Living Dead. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. They're coming for you, Barbara. Do we have five awards to give out right now? <laughs> I'm leaning towards Tracy. Okay. Because I think the worst movie of the movie is going back in or going into a burning house. Not necessarily a horror movie, but definitely a disaster movie at the very least. Curtis had both of them for going in. Mm-hmm. At least Jesse tried to and, and successfully did connect with Jesse. The Jesse has more of a reason to do so. That's his girlfriend in there. Yep. He's worried for her. Rule number fifty five, connect with the villain. Yeah. Yeah, that that tracks. She saves uh, his life. She does. So I'm kind of leaning towards Tracy. I like that. I still, I don't like that Sue's getting out of this unscathed since she's the reason for both of these movies. Um, sure. But she didn't do anything egregious in this one to deserve Night of the Living Club. Her intentions were in the right place as yeah, well. Yeah, the, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, True. Ryan. But we have so many bad intentions in this movie, I don't want to give it to Sue. No, and, and that's just it. Sue's heart is in the right place. She's just really bad at her job. Yeah. Um, so I don't like that she's getting out unscathed, which is why I'm dwelling on it. Sue, you're not getting out of this uh, without at least a talking down. And let's give dishonorable mentions to Sue and all of the shitty teenagers. Yes. Every shitty teenager. Also that fucking football coach who's, mm-hmm. whose response to kids talking during practice was, drop your pants. Like, Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm scared. I need an adult. Yep. So, yeah, that's the rage carry, too. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll take this as a net win, considering in carry one, I wanted to give a living club to the entire town of Chamberlain, Maine. <laughs> what a movie. Okay, that's the rage. Carry two. Woo! We're the, done with that one. The last carry movie we're going to have anything substantial to talk about. That is very true, because going on the wheel in its place is the first of two carry remakes, the 2002 straight to TV <sighs> Carrie remake. We're gonna spend more time watching that movie than we are talking about it. hundred percent. And, and it's gonna. I've seen. I've so seen, much. I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen the kill count. So I know towards the end there's gonna be some differences, and I know it's a generally longer movie. So yep. we'll have some things to talk about, but certainly not enough to get in depth. The the TLDR is gonna be go listen to the Carrie One podcast. Yeah. Um. So with Carrie 2002 and the other remake 2014, 2013, whenever that one came out, what we'll be doing with those because they are. The same movie. We're just going to be talking about the differences, if there are any. <laughs> uh, we'll go through any differences and scenes and stuff like that. And then at the end, we'll talk about like the awards of the previous movie and do the same people get them or not. I know Psycho has been on the kill count before, but you have or kill count. Yeah. Uh, I'm putting you in great company, Ryan. Thank you. Um, I know Psycho has been covered on the podcast, but I believe you're you're doing all the sequels before you get to the remake. right? Yes, so correct. is this the first full direct remake? It. That's because close. because I know the Friday the Thirteenth remake and the Nightmare on Elm Street remake made significant changes yep. where there are more reboots of the series than there are remakes of the one movie. You know uh, the Children of the Corn remake. Okay, uh, the first half of that movie we just skipped because it was literally just shot for shot remake. Gotcha. And then we talked about the second half. Okay. It um the remake of it was kind of like we skimmed through a lot of that because there's so much of that was similar. Gotcha. So, but I think this will be 
the closest one we've had so far that I can cool. remember. And will probably be the closest one until Psycho. I am going to also defend myself to the listeners. I do listen to this podcast when I'm not on it. There's just been a lot of episodes. I can't keep all these straight. I got to go to the horse's mouth for this info. I don't keep a fucking catalog like Ryan does. Yep. I'm not the showrunner here. <laughs> That's not your job. Exactly. Your job's to show up. Exactly. My job's to show up. Provide critique and the occasional humor. Yes, exactly. Uh, and also, I I, I I take it upon myself to listen uh, because I generally, I genuinely like the podcast. That's nice. Uh, but I can't remember everything, yeah. and I watch a lot of movies when yep. I'm not listening to this podcast. So forgive me that some fucking details got lost in the translation. Yeah, you don't get paid enough to remember things. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fair. <laughs> I pay you in one beer per movie, right? <laughs> Shit, I paid you to be in this movie, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do want to give you a shout out here because, uh, so one of the movies on the wheel today is uh, Churn of the Corn 2023, which you so kindly found at Best Buy and bought for me on Blu-ray. Yes, I, I bought it as a gift for my friend Ryan and, and the podcast that I enjoy being on so much. And also so that I can have my Elena Tyrell moment with uh, Derek Kubitschek, Children of the Corn correspondent, Derek when this movie gets spun and you have to come over and watch a Blu-ray copy with Ryan, I want you to know it was me. And the best part of it, Derek has already seen this movie. Oh, I know. I know. You guys went to it in the theater. Yeah. So I know he's seen it, and I know he's going to have to watch it again. That's amazing. And I it? want him to know. I want him to know that this movie, I bought it strictly to make you covering it on the podcast easier. Because I know it's on Shutter. I yep. could have given you my Shutter login, but we're both avid physical collectors. Yes. And so I knew you needed this in your collection. I have I, the rest of the Children of the Corn and, movies. And I need Derek to know <laughs> it's because of me. <laughs> okay. So we've had two movies that have been spun already. So and, and I'm probably won't be able to get to those till July it's it's looking like right now, which is it chapter two and um Psycho Two. So those will have to wait till probably July. In the meantime, we have six other movies it could be. So we're going to spin the wheel. Here's what's on there today. Carrie 2002. <laughs> the Shining. Children of the Corn 2023. Child's Play 2019. Scream, Season 2, Episode 9, The Orphanage. And Chef's Choice. All right, let's go ahead and spin the wheel. Oh, my God. It's Children of the Corn 2023. I can't believe this that is amazing i had that whole speech and now i've spun it Derek kubachek i want you to know it was me take this and my shitty lincoln park takes oh <laughs> damn son you waited for that that is amazing so like a week or two ago uh i'm in a group chat with jordan uh and our uh, other correspondents jacob kendall we have a chat, and we just started talking about Linkin Park and their role in the Transformers movies. Yeah, because uh, for those who are uninitiated, um, I think it's just in the Bayverse movies, right? The first three? Yes. In the first three, Linkin Park is the highlight song for each of those movies. Um, it's New Divide, What Else? What I've Done. What I've Done. And, and Iridescent. Okay, yeah. And I said that the other two can fight for second place because New Divide is the actual correct answer. And I was with Derek Kubitschek, who is the biggest Linkin Park fan I know. Yeah. And he said that take was wrong. I agreed with him, to be fair. I, I didn't get strong about it, but Derek, Derek texted you, I think, immediately. He did. Okay, so yeah. Um, I don't know what happened, because I got I got the notification on my watch. Derek texted me, your Linkin Park takes are bad, and you should feel bad. When I went to respond, that message wasn't there anymore. Oh, weird. So it was a Facebook message, so I wasn't oh. sure if Derek unsent it or if a glitch in the matrix happened it, i feel like it'd be uncharacteristic for derek to unsend that yeah it glitched he, the stand, matrix. he stands by those by those 100%. statements i just i wasn't quite sure but i saw it on my watch so i know i got it yeah well here's the response it's been thrown down <laughs> the response is go watch children of the corn 11 <laughs> brutal all right so we'll be doing children of the corn 2023 next derek Get ready, because we're about to experience some. We've been talking about this movie forever, Turn of the Corn 11. The infamous. Here we go. Uh, Jordan, thanks for being on. Happy to be here. Happy to be here and talking about a kind of mediocre movie. Kind of mediocre movie. I Honestly, I know the, the screening portion can get bad when we're watching bad movies, but at least we have good conversation when the movie is bad. So I'd almost prefer yeah. to watch a bad movie over a meh movie. Yeah, because at least we can talk more shit at a bad movie. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like this is going to be the same opinion I have about Carrie. Dude, we're going to get so bored. It's going to be just so boring. We might have to break out the beer for those. Let's do it. Let's turn it into a drinking game. Every, <laughs> every time a, a scene is directly ripped off, we take a drink. <laughs> That's every scene! 
Well, everyone, ready for the first drunk podcast. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, anything you want to plug today? Uh, you know, usual letterboxed uh, reviews at GBA Temp, Twitter. I've been on enough of these. You can go listen if you're for the tags on that if you're really interested. Or if just follow at HowToHorror on social media because I get tagged in all of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, follow us at How To Horror and check us out on Letterboxd. We'll be putting the Rage Carry 2 on all the appropriate lists Woo! as soon as we're done here. All right. Anything else? No. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. I appreciate it. This has been the How To Survive a Horror Movie Podcast. Stay safe out there. Uh, uh.